The music is provided by Calvary Quartet. You can have more of their music at calvaryquartet.com or log on to our website at gospelbaptistchurch.com. I can still recall the day when Jesus saved my soul, when his blessed Holy Spirit came and took control. I trusted in his precious blood, my sin to atone. People have asked me, what about Ed in the Bible? I said, well, come to church and find out. If I tell you before, you won't come. But in Joshua chapter 22, in verse 34, let me read that to you, Joshua 22, verse 34. Then we'll, after I read the verse, we'll have a word of prayer and then get into the message this morning. It says, And the children of Reuben and the children of Gad called the altar Ed. For it shall be a witness between us that the Lord is God. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, without your spirit working in our midst, nothing will be accomplished that will last for eternity. So, Holy Spirit, as Jesus said of you, that you would guide us into all truth. I pray that you would do so this morning. Father, I pray that... I will submit to you as I preach, but also, Father, that these that are listening would submit to what they hear as it's presented from the Word of God, so that the Lord Jesus Christ would be glorified in all of our lives, that the name of God would be honored. And Father, as I mentioned earlier in prayer, I'm so thankful for your mercy and your grace, because I know where I would be without it. And I thank you for your mercy, your grace, your love, and your forgiveness. So please meet with us this morning. Holy Spirit, move in each and every one of our hearts that your will would be accomplished. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. In Joshua uh, chapter 22, we come to this place in this uh, verse where the tribe of Reuben and Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh are venturing over to the east side of Jordan and they erect an altar and they call the altar Ed. Now this altar is not to take the place of the brazen altar that was in the tabernacle where the sin offering and all that was accomplished. It's not that. It's Ed is, the altar Ed is for a witness uh, a testimony or a time of remembrance because of what was going on at this time. We have to understand in a little bit of a historical sketch on what's going on here. The nation of Israel, God gave them their land. And the land that the nation of Israel has today is not all that God has given them. You see, when the nation of Israel came out of the land of Egypt, they came out and they, they went on the east side of Jordan. And then through the leadership of Joshua, the Jordan River parted and they went over onto the west side of Jordan. God gave uh, the children of Israel a lot of land on the east side of Jordan. 
and not only the east, but also the west side of Jordan, the River Jordan. And on the east side of the River Jordan, the tribe of Reuben, the tribe of Gad, and half the tribe of Manasseh, that was their area or their land of inheritance. That's where they were to set up and live and do what they did on a daily basis. But when it came, when God gave them the land, they promised Moses, Moses had to instruct them, and you can find this, Numbers 32 and Deuteronomy chapter 3, Moses said, it's not right for you to occupy your land while your brothers and sisters are fighting for their land on the west side of Jordan. And so Moses and the tribe of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh came to an agreement that when they crossed over Jordan to, to conquer the west side of Jordan, that the men that were of age that would go to battle would go with their brothers and sisters of the nation of Israel and help them conquer the, west, the land west of Jordan. And then when that was done, when everybody had rest, then those men could return to the east side of Jordan and go ahead and live with their families and occupy that land. And so in Joshua chapter 22, we come to that place where the west side of Jordan, the land west of Jordan, is now basically at rest. And the children of Israel are occupying that land, and the men of Reuben, Gad, and half the tribe of Manasseh are now ready to go back to the east side of Jordan and occupy their land. So while these men are traveling back and they come to the River Jordan, ready to pass over the River Jordan to go to the east side, they erect an altar and call that altar Ed. For as it says again in verse 34, it shall be a witness between us that the Lord is God. Because you see, Reuben, the tribe of Reuben Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh thought that we are going to be separated by the river Jordan from the other nine and a half tribes. And because of this separation, the nine and a half tribes on the west side of Jordan may forget that we are a part of them. And equally, we that are on the east side of Jordan because of the divide of the River Jordan, we might tend to forget that we are part of the other nine and a half tribes of the nation of Israel. And my friends, all of us have a tendency to forget, especially when we're separated. And so that's why they wanted to erect an altar and call it Ed to be a witness between them and the other nine and a half tribes that even though we are separated by a large river, the River Jordan, we are all still one nation, the nation of Israel that God had called out of Abraham. And so that's why we find the word Ed in the Bible in Joshua 22 verse 34, so it could be a witness between the three and the two and a half tribes that occupied the east land of the land east of Jordan and the nine and a half tribes that occupied the land west of Jordan. Because the Bible puts a preeminence on remembrance. If you go through the Word of God, you will find many times where God says, you need to remember. Let me just give you a few. Uh, Joseph and the butler, many of you know this story, 
how Joseph interpreted the butler, uh, his dream. And the butler was reestablished to his position. And he was supposed to remember Joseph, but he did not. And how many of us have trouble remembering? No raise of hands. Uh, many of us, uh, as you will probably do about 2 or 3 o'clock this afternoon, say, what did he speak on this morning? Uh, it's just that natural tendency that we have to forget things unless we rehearse them over and over again in our minds. In Exodus 13, it talks about remembering the day you came out of Egypt. God did not want the Israelites to forget how he brought them miraculously, wonderfully, out of the land of Egypt. Numbers 15, verse 39, God told the Israelites, Remember all my commandments. And it's amazing, isn't it, as we read the Word of God, how we forget sometimes, as it might be a year since you read something, uh, or it might even be a month or a week, how we tend again to forget. And then as we read it again, I have these moments, the aha moments, Oh, oh, aha, oh, I remember that now. I had forgotten that, but now I read it over. Now I remember what God said in a certain part of his word. This is why God puts a premium on remembrance. God says in 1 Chronicles 16 to remember his marvelous works and how God has done marvelous works in all of our lives. And my friends, we need to rehearse those over and over again and remember those marvelous works. Psalm 25, 6, one of my favorites Remember God's mercy. We have a tendency to forget the wonderful grace and mercy of God. But as I said earlier in my prayer, without the mercy of God, without the grace of God in our lives, we would all be consumed. It's only by God's grace and mercy that we're able to live. Uh, in Acts chapter 20, it tells us to remember the words of Jesus Christ. These are wonderful instructions given to us. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, as we'll take part of communion tonight. This do in remembrance of me. He wants, to, uh, he wants us as his church to remember uh, his sacrifice of his body and his shed blood. And that's why on a monthly basis we do that here, so that we remember what Christ did for us. Because again, we as humans have a tendency to forget things, important things. Galatians 2.10 says, remember the poor. And Hebrews 13.7, it says, remember them that have the rule over you. And I pray that you remember your pastor in prayer on a daily basis. Remember the leadership on a daily basis. This is things that we need to remember. Remember, we need to remember on a regular basis, or as I like to say this morning, we need to regularly spend time with Ed to have a witness between us. Erect an altar, not, not literally, but in our minds, that on a regular basis, we are drawn to that witness, we are drawn to that testimony, we are drawn to a time of remembrance on certain things that I'm going to share with you today. Because again, as I've already said, God puts a preeminence on us remembering certain things. So the first thing I believe that we need to remember, we need to remember our conversion. We need to remember our conversion. Probably the greatest Christian that probably all of us would agree on would be the Apostle Paul. But I believe you're the greatest Christian if you do God's will for your life. Paul did God's will for his life, and he was a great Christian. I believe we can be great Christians if we do God's will for my life, for your life. 
It's not God's will for my life to be a missionary to the foreign field. Uh, it's not God's will for my life at this moment to plant churches. Uh, but it was for the Apostle Paul, and Paul did those things. I have God's will for my life. God has determined that for me, his perfect and accept, his good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And if we all just do the will of God for us specifically, we can be a good Christian like Paul was. It's obtainable through the power of God. But remember your conversion. I say all that to say this. Paul rehearsed his conversion frequently. In Acts chapter 26, when he stood before King Agrippa, he talked about how he was on the Damascus road and how Jesus himself appeared unto him in the light and how he was gloriously saved. He rehearsed that not only before King Agrippa, but before other individuals, and he talks about it as you read the book of Acts. Paul talks frequently about his conversion. My friends, all of us would do well to remember where we were, but by God's grace and mercy where we are. We need to remember that, I would say, on a daily basis. I was saved at the age of 13. I had battled with it for many years, obviously growing up in a pastor's home. You know the academic answer, but just because you know about Jesus or you know about the Word of God doesn't mean you're a child of God. You have to have that conversion. You have to have that heart belief where you totally depend on Jesus and nothing else for your eternal destiny. I remember as I was battling with whether I was saved or not, I would pray on Saturday night. Uh, God used my father to start a church in our basement, and as it continued to grow, I would pray on Saturday night, if there's 70 people in church, that means I'm saved. Now, I know none of you have done that or asked for sign of God. And then I would go to church and there'd be 69. What am I to do with that? Was that close enough? That's, as a young man, I battled with that. And I know it sounds ridiculous, and in a way it is, but as a 11, 12-year-old boy, that was pretty significant at the time. But I remember I was working in the children's church at the age of 13. I was crowd control. And the lady that was teaching the class, we still did flannel graphs back then. She gave a simple salvation message. Speaking to the children, not realizing she was, God through her was speaking to me. And I was back in the back patrolling, you know, looking for the bad kids. And God convicted me. And one of my jobs was to go out into the back of the, back of the, in the, fellow, in the vestibule area and find out where the church service was so I could come back and tell her, you know, they're, they're basically wrapping up, start wrapping up. But as I went that Sunday morning to the vestibule area, they had just started to sing, Have Thine Own Way, Lord. And I realized at the back, in the back of the auditorium, at that door, standing in the vestibule, I finally realized, George, you are a sinner, unsaved, I need to get saved. 
I never went back to children's church that morning. I opened that door and walked forward and presented myself and said, I need to be saved and accepted Christ as my Savior that morning at the age of 13 on January 14th of 1979. And my friends, I rehearsed that in my mind on a regular basis because left to myself, left to yourself, we would end up destroying ourselves if not for the mercy and the grace of God. I love the, uh, the wonderful, wonderful song of, uh, that, Oh, what a Savior, uh, as I've said before, but it says, Once I was straying in sin's dark valley, no hope within could I see. But they searched through heaven and found a Savior who saved a poor lost soul like me. The thing is, I didn't have the answer within the answer came from without, and it came from without through the Word of God and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross, His burial, and His resurrection. My friends, we need to remember our day that we were saved, and if we had not gotten saved, where we would be without the Lord Jesus Christ, but we should glorify in God that we did come to Christ, that we are a child of God, that we are secure in Jesus Christ. We have a home in heaven. God is our father. Jesus is our brother. Jesus is our friend. We need to consistently remember our conversion. And my friends, if you're not saved today, there is no bigger decision that, you can, that you'll ever make. Will you trust the truth, which is Jesus Christ, or will you trust and believe a lie? It's not by works of righteousness, which I have done, but it is by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Baptism is wonderful. Communion is wonderful. Tithing and giving offerings is wonderful. Living a good godly life is wonderful, but all of that doesn't save Salvation comes when your heart believes, totally depends on what Jesus and Jesus alone did for you. That's what it's all about. And I pray, statistically, not everyone in here is saved. I beg you today to consider your eternity and make sure that you are wholly dependent on Jesus and Jesus alone for your conversion, for your eternal life. So please, spend time with Ed on a regular basis and think about your conversion. Secondly, I'd like to talk about remember our connection. You see, as I've already said, the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manassites, the men went over and did war with their brothers on the west side of Jordan until their land had come to rest. And those two and a half tribes wanted the other nine and a half tribes to remember that they were a part of each other. And I think that we need to remember that we're a part of each other. Remember what people have done for you. You know, man at his best is man at his best. I mean, we all falter and fall. But remember what people have done for you. I think of Epaphroditus in the book of Philippians. He was sick, and the Bible says he was actually nigh unto death because of the work of Christ. 
And Paul was encouraging the Philippians at the church of Philippi to remember Epaphroditus for all the works that he had done on behalf of them for the cause of Christ. Now, you may remember a few months ago, it's been a few months, I think, now, I had one of my uh, left upper molar uh, uh, teeth removed, which was an absolute fun process. I, I hate getting shots in my mouth, do you not? That'll bring more amens in the Bible. But uh, just to test it, and now, if, especially when you have a tooth removed or if you have a root canal, now they actually, they'll, they'll give you the normal numbing shot, uh, but they also like to give that shot in the hard palate or the roof of your mouth, which, again, is, is just pleasurable. You know, I, I want to say things that I shouldn't say, and I want to do things that I shouldn't do, like hurt somebody. But when the oral surgeon, who I chose, um, removed that upper molar, it broke into my left maxillary sinus. It opened it up. And it was painful. Not as painful as kidney stones, which I've borne six. But it was painful. And the uh, infection that followed was, I would say, significant. And rarely do I miss going to my clinic. But through the prodding of my wife, which I listened to, I've learned that, right? Happy wife, happy life. That's somewhere in the Bible. I've just not got there yet. It just, I must forget that it's in there at times. But happy, happy wife, happy life. I've tried to instill that in my children. Happy mom. I don't know the rhyme, but happy mom, happy life. I tell them that all the time. Keep mom happy. That's important. But I miss my office uh, Thursday and Friday, which I just don't rarely do. I, I rarely do that. And I actually missed a Sunday because of the pain and the infection. But <clears throat> I remember getting cards in the mail from people here saying that they missed me and they were praying for me. I remember when I came back, the countless people that told me that they missed me and had been praying for me. You see, we need to remember that. We need to remember our connectivity. You see, psychiatry did not invent group therapy. God did. This is group therapy. Sunday school is group therapy. Church services are group therapy where we can come and we can share our burdens, where we can share the praises of God, where we can sit under counseling and instruction and teaching and preaching from the Word of God. Because you could think of this as one big counseling session from the Word of God. So psychiatry has nothing on the Bible. But we need to remember that we're connected. I tell my Sunday school class I pray for them every day. Well, I'll be honest, 99% of the time. 
And there's many in here that are, you have daily burdens that, in my opinion, are significant. And I want to let you know I pray for you every day, 99% of the time. We need to remember that we're connected. Just like these children of Israel, the Reubenites, the Gadites, the half-tribe of Manasseh, uh, they did not want to be separated from the other nine and a half tribes because of the Jordan River barrier. They said, I'm going to erect an altar. We're going to call it Ed to have a witness between us that we're together in this. And my friends, we're together in this. We're not the enemy in here. The devil's the enemy. The world's the enemy. We are the children of God, the army of God. We're together in all of this. Let's hold hands and fight the battle together, uplifting one another, helping one another. I know we all have our little differences, but may we set those aside for the cause of Christ, the greater good. So remember that we're connected. Thirdly, as it says in verse 34, that Ed, it shall be a witness between us that the Lord is God. Remember our creator. Not only remember our conversion and remember that we're connected, but remember our creator. It says the Lord, and if you look there closely, Lord is all capitalized. So what does that mean, my friends? That is talking about Jehovah. The Lord Jehovah is God. There is no other God. There are multiple false gods, but there is only one true, eternal, heavenly Father, and that is the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. We're not talking about Allah. I'm not talking about Muhammad. I'm not talking about Buddha. I'm not talking about the Hinduistic philosophy. There is one God. And that is God the Father, as I said, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob with his son Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit all being God and uh, all being God, for there is one God. Second, uh, 1 Timothy 2.5 states, there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. He is Jehovah Jireh, the one who provides. He is Jehovah Rophe, uh, the one that heals. He is Jehovah Nissi, my banner. He is Elohim, the creator, the mighty God. He is Adonai, our master, our Lord, and he is El Shaddai, the mighty master, the mighty God. That's who we're talking about. And in our world today, where we are being bombarded by a lot of different philosophies, a lot of different ways of life, we need to spend regular time with Ed, have a time of remembrance that we are talking about our God. Because only our God can save. No one else. By faith alone in our Heavenly Father, Jesus Christ. May we remember that He is God and not us. He is God, not us. Number four, remember our conversion, remember our connection, remember our Creator, remember our calling. Look over at verse 5 in this uh, chapter, chapter 22, verse 5. It says, but take diligent heed to do the commandment and the law which Moses, the servant of the Lord, charged you to love the Lord your God and to walk in all his ways and keep his commandments and cleave unto him and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. 
remember our calling. Remember our calling. The Bible says here in verse 5 of uh, Joshua 22 to take diligent heed. We need to be very serious about our business here. We're not here for fun and games. We can laugh and we can joke at appropriate times. But my friends, we are talking about eternity. We are talking about boys and girls, young people, men and women, where they are going to spend eternity. As a physician, I can help someone for several years. But my friends, Jesus can help someone from all eternity. That's the significance. I'm not downgrading what any of us do, but I am uplifting what Jesus does. That he can not only save you and heal you physically, he can save and heal you spiritually. But it says here a few things. Remember our calling that we are to love the Lord your God, and this should be the motive of our, of our obedience. You see, the Christian life is not just do, 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 do. It's to love the Lord your God with all your heart. Because when you do and do and do and do, that doesn't mean you're close with God. I do all this stuff, that means I'm a good Christian. It may not be. The motive for doing is our love for God. I don't do these things to make me a good Christian. I do these things because I love God so much. I've got to do those things. And that comes from a relationship that you build with Jesus Christ as you get to know him, as you live for him. My friends, the motive should be our love for the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's a whole different ballgame. I tell you, I despise housework. I think most do. If you enjoy it, I'm not certain where you are, but uh, I guess there might be some out there that enjoy it, but probably the most detest it. But I'll do some things around the house, not because I want to necessarily, but because I love my wife. That motivates me. And may you work on the bus route because you love God. May you teach Sunday school because you're in love with God. May you come to church not because, oh man, it's Sunday, I've got to go. No, it's, I love God. And I want to come to church because I'm going to hear about my God. I'm going to hear about my Savior who I love. I'm going to get to know God more. I'm going to get to know my Savior more, which motivates me more, because the more I know about God, the more I know about Jesus, the more I love Him, the more I want to do for Him, and that's why it should be a continual growth process until He calls us home. Because, see, the better your relationship, like with husbands and wives, as you get to know your spouse, sometimes you learn things that you don't necessarily like. They might have little idiosyncrasies, they might have little quirks that bother you or uh, you don't necessarily care for because you married an imperfect person. But the more you get to know Jesus, he doesn't have any little idiosyncrasies or quirks. He's perfect. 
And so your relationship just continues to build and build. And your motive for singing, your motive for teaching, your motive for preaching, your motive for dressing the way you do, the motive for talking the way you do, the motive for thinking the way you do, is because you love Jesus Christ. And so love the Lord your God, our motive for obedience. It also says in verse 5, Walk in all of his ways as you hear the preaching, the teaching of the word of God, as you read the word of God yourself, as you do your daily devotions, my friends, as God said something, just my friends, just do it. It also says to keep his commandments. A verse that you probably know, John 14, 15 says, if you love me, keep my commandments. It says also in verse 5, to cleave unto him, align with Jesus Christ, identify with Jesus Christ. And then it also says to serve him with all your heart and soul. And I beg you this morning to have your passion in life, Jesus Christ. I don't care what your primary occupation is. Make your primary focus, your primary passion in life, Jesus Christ. And remember that. You see, verse 5 of, Jude, of Joshua 22 is the open secret of peace and prosperity. God didn't keep it a secret how we can please him. He deliberately put it out in the word of God so we can know it and do it. And so this morning, because we all have the tendency to forget, that's why I believe one of the reasons that Ed is in the Bible, is that we can have a witness together. We can have a time of remembrance. And may I urge you, even if it be on a daily basis, to remember your conversion. Remember that day when you passed from death unto life. When he brought you out of darkness and translated you into the kingdom of his dear son. And remember that we're connected. And please remember our God, that he is God and only God. And remember our calling. It's very important to have a time of remembrance, to spend regular time with Ed. I pray that some of you may need to do some remembering this morning. Some need to remember their godly mothers, their mothers, on Mother's Day. There's a lot I think we need to remember today and be thankful for. God is wonderfully merciful and gracious to us all. My friends, you have the health to be here this morning. I know some are not feeling well, but you're here. And you're here because you love the Lord. And that's a praise to the Lord Jesus Christ. So in, in whatever way, there might be something that you, that God's put on your mind that has been in the deep, dark recesses of your memory that God wants to bring to the forefront of your mind today to remember. I pray that you'll dwell on that, that you'll meditate on that. But remember your conversion. Remember that we're connected. And remember our God and remember our calling. Don't forget these things. Regularly rehearse these in your life. Spend time with Ed on a regular basis. Let's pray. Father.
I thank you for your love, forgiveness, mercy, and grace. Father, I thank you for this portion of the Word of God that tells us that we need to remember on a regular basis certain things because we have a tendency to forget. So, Father, this morning I pray that you would lay on every heart things that they need to remember outside of what I've already mentioned. There's other things that they need to remember, how you worked in their life, how you intervened in their life, how you healed them in their life, how you brought them out of the pit of despair and of sin in their life and set them on the solid rock of your Son. Help us all remember these certain things and if necessary, bend a knee at an old-fashioned altar this morning. But we also pray for those this morning that may not know Jesus Christ as their Savior. They are uncertain. They are not confident. They do not have that 100% for certainty that Jesus is their Savior. I pray that you would work in their heart, Holy Spirit. Have them walk forward at the invitation and allow us to talk with them and show them through the Word of God how they can know for certain they're a child of God through faith in Jesus Christ. So Father, work in every heart this morning. Draw people to you, I pray. Holy Spirit, have your will and way. For we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. If you'd all stand.